Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. All right. Good morning. It is uh, Wednesday morning as I'm recording this, and uh, normally I'd be getting my day started doing my landscape stuff, but uh, a little bit of rain, a little bit of drizzle, just uh, kind of nasty conditions for what the, the work I need to be getting done today. So I figured I'd uh, get this one recorded, let uh, things dry out a little bit, and ultimately get started a little bit later. But um, yeah, with that being said, we're looking at a lot of different earnings news. We are uh, you know, really watching some of the major players this week. We've had a lot of the bank earnings come in. They came in pretty strong. And then we had uh, some news out of China. We had the uh, the election over there, and Xi Jinping was uh, elected for a third term. And that's kind of groundbreaking. So we did see the Chinese stocks sell off rather hard. They were definitely brutal this week. So uh, Baidu, Alibaba, Neo were, were definitely down, uh, as well as some of the other major players over there. But um, yeah, we saw some of the the major Dow components report, and they were uh, fairly strong. When I'm looking at the banks, when I'm looking at Visa, uh, UPS not in the Dow, but um, they were coming in strong. Also, a lot of those FedEx problems that they said uh, where we were looking for a major slowdown, they weren't doing as much shipping. Uh, UPS really didn't see those problems. They are. Uh, hiring massively. I think they're looking to fill about 100,000 roles. And uh, they are just really gearing up for a busy holiday season. So we're not really seeing the same problems from one to the other. Uh, I think that could point to the fact that UPS is probably a superior operator. And uh, one that I'd rather have my money in versus FedEx. I've talked about that before. Uh, You know, you've got multiple trucks doing the same routes for FedEx. You've got the subcontractors, you got this, that, the other going on with them where UPS seems to have a more uh, well-oiled machine. So for that one, uh, I'm definitely glad to see that UPS pulled out a, uh, a nice beat. And uh, then we saw some uh, some earnings from Johnson & Johnson and 3M kind of come in uh, yeah, mixed, I'll say. And um, the, the organic growth from 3M, I believe, was around 2%. Uh, and they had guided for one to three and a half for next year. And I believe they cut that to one to 2% organic growth. So definitely some stuff there that uh, is showing a little bit of signs of weakening. But then when we uh, when we get into some of the tech earnings, that uh, is really where some of the problems are starting to show. We, uh, we were talking on the last episode about uh, Apple, Amazon. I think those are coming out Thursday. But uh, we got earnings from Google, from Microsoft, and those are looking a little light. So we are definitely keeping an eye on that. I wanted to pull up some different numbers here um, from Google. And uh, they their ad revenue on YouTube was $7.07 billion, and it was uh, estimated at $7.46 billion. So it came in rather light on that ad revenue. Um, but I will go on to say that Google bought uh, YouTube for $1.65 billion in October of 2006, and they just did $7.07 billion in one quarter. Uh, so a smart purchase from Google, and uh, even at that $7.07 billion, 
Uh, yes, it did miss. But uh, I do think that a lot of that we've talked about this is a lot of the fact that a lot of large companies are looking to scale down on their advertising. Now, I did say that I thought that uh, people would, you know, leave their their ad revenue on uh, or their ad budget on Google. But, um, you know, maybe they pulled it out of YouTube. Maybe we're just scaling back. Maybe they're stopping in other places and still advertising on Google. I mean, seven billion is still a lot of ad revenue. So um, I did kind of figure that it might come in a little bit light on that ad budget. Uh, I didn't really think it'd be a major miss. But uh, I guess here we are looking at uh, some some other numbers here. We've got uh, the the Google Cloud revenue did beat their expectations. They came in at six point eight seven billion uh, on expectations of six point six one, and then their service revenue of sixty one point three billion, and they missed the mark of sixty four billion. So um, still generating a lot of money and uh, missing in a couple areas, but uh, I think a lot of that is a little expected just with the, the way that things are going. The uh, the major CEOs have kind of said the same thing. Yes, we're cutting labor. Yes, we're cutting on that advertising. We're trying to cut that spend. We're trying to thin down. Even uh, Google said it. So um, I guess we're seeing that from some other major players. They're kind of gearing up for my, what might be coming next. Uh, now, we've also got Microsoft. They uh, had a EPS of $2.35 per share, beating expectations at $2.31 per share. Uh, revenue of $50.1 billion, billion, beating expectations of $49.5. Uh, now, their computer, uh, personal computer, did beat, but uh, I think it came in a little bit light. I believe they already guided down. So personal computing revenue was 13.3 and estimated 13.08. Um, some other cloud numbers beat, they had a beat on productivity revenue. Oh, that's, uh, and then we also had visa report, uh, EPS of $1.93 beating expectations of 1.87. Um, and then their revenues beat as well. So we've got, uh, there was a little bit of slowdown of that personal computing on Microsoft. We kind of knew that was coming. Visa, I kind of had alluded to the fact that I thought credit cards would be a tool that would be used by people as uh, um, things kind of get a little bit tighter out there. I know the consumer's still strong, but uh, I kind of feel like people might start using that credit line where they can. And uh, yeah, so we've got a lot of different things going on out there. A lot of uh, strongness in the Dow. We saw some great days for the NASDAQ until we had some of these major players report. Uh, so now the Dow pre-market today is down 30 points, um, not even a tenth of a percent. And the NASDAQ is down 1.7%. So a big move down in the NASDAQ. We're seeing a little bit of strength in the Dow. Uh, S&P has kind of rolled up off of some of those lows. We're sitting at 38.60. So kind of a mixed picture out there as to what's going on. Um, and then we did have Enphase come out with uh, earnings as well. And where's that one? They uh, had EPS of $1.25, beating expectations of $1.08, and a revenue of $634 uh, million, beating out expectations of $610 million. So a giant earnings news out there from a lot of different players, uh, a lot of different companies that we thought were going to be doing well, and kind of a, a mixed picture on some of the, the ones that are kind of in that industrial or healthcare space. So a lot of different things to digest. Now, 
Um, I will say that, uh, you know, there's still a lot of volatility out there. We really don't know what is going to happen next. Uh, and I've said the last couple episodes, we might be in this little bit of a rally mode from uh, some of these decent earnings, some of these companies that are going to be beating. And ultimately, um, when that uh, next comparable comes out in the next quarter or the following, we, we're going to be up against some tough numbers that we're really trying to beat. And uh, it's going to kind of get a little bit more bleak out there as uh, the recession really kind of wears in. The rate hikes keep on coming. I think the Fed meets uh, next week for another rate hike. So we're really looking to see what's going on out there. And my my idea is still stay the course. Um, I am not looking to really take advantage of any of these dips in the Chinese market. Um, I kind of had some FOMO when some of these stocks were kind of all hyped up. Uh, I did get into NEO. I've been in Alibaba for quite some time. I have a couple shares of Baidu. I really don't want to buy too much more. Uh, JP Morgan did come out and say that it was a good uh, time to buy the dip in some of these uh, these Chinese names. But I, I think you really have to be really in tune with what's going on in China to really know whether or not you, you want to be buying these stocks. And I say that from a, a political landscape, you really don't know what is next from them, where I think there's some great companies, but uh, as they're looking more and more communist and more of a state-led uh, government, that's kind of where uh, Xi is is looking to take things. That's kind of the, the track that everything looks like it's on. It's really difficult to play these. And uh, even though uh, Neo's having a couple of issues, um, I think the main the main point here is a problem with the government, and uh, currently they're sitting. Neo is currently sitting at uh, ten dollars and fifty cents. So on the one month we came down from about seventeen dollars. Uh, so yeah, we're down about seven seventy percent in a, and uh, maybe not seventy. Doing my math wrong. We're we're down about seven bucks on uh, this one in in just a matter of a month. So it's definitely painful. Um, it's one that I probably should have closed my position and watched a lot closer, uh, a long time back. And, uh, I guess that's probably one of the mistakes that I made that I'm trying to hope that you guys avoid. And when I look at this one back, uh, a year ago, where are we? We are sitting around $40 at the start of the year or one year back. So definitely painful, definitely a, a terrible ride down. But, uh, that being said, uh, if this one does bottom out somewhere in that seven, eight dollar range, I do think that it's going to get some support down there. It's just a painful ride that you really don't know where this one's headed. So for now, um, I'm letting it ride. I've, I've done too much or lost too much in this one uh, on paper. And I'm, I'm kind of letting it ride at this point because I, I think that downside is getting to the point where it's limited. Albeit, like I said, you've got government problems and those can uh, really destroy a company in the blink of an eye. So, um, yeah, that for me, that's a that's a no. But uh, when I'm looking at uh, some of the tech names, when I'm looking at Google, when I'm looking at uh, Microsoft, uh, I still think that these are great companies to buy. And uh, Google is trading down about six point two percent right now. So they're trading down in that ninety seven dollar range with the P.E. of 19. That is uh, relatively unheard of from a company like Google uh, to be trading at such a, uh, a low PE for them and uh, still has a lot of growth drivers going ahead. Like I said, they've got a lot of different businesses other than just advertising 
And uh, I really do think that that is a strong one. Microsoft, uh, the, the personal computing aspect definitely worries me how much that slowed down. But uh, I do think that's more of a cyclical problem rather than a long-term trend that we're getting out of computers or we're not using Office or uh, gaming is done and over with. I, I think it's more of a cyclical thing where it will recover. And uh, like I said, Microsoft down about 6.7% right now. Uh, so down about $17 from yesterday's close. And they are currently trading at 233 so one uh, that I would be looking to buy, or both of those I'd be looking to buy on any kind of pullback. Uh, end phase, when we're looking at that one, just kind of reca recapping what happened here. This one is up 6.5% on that good quarter. And uh, when it did shoot back down to that 250 level, I was looking for a little bit more of a pullback. I probably would have initiated a buy if I didn't already have a... Uh, a fairly large position in end phase. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll remind you that I was selling out of this one around that $300 mark and was hoping to get back in sub like 235 ish. And it just didn't get there. So that one stayed put for me. But now uh, trading at uh, 282 on this uh, this good quarter, uh, I'm definitely still bullish on end phase. I still am long on this one. It's the one that I'm watching uh, very closely. And I do think that it has a, uh, a great uh, future ahead of it with everything that is poised to basically back them and they have a lot of tailwinds going uh, going forward. So uh, definitely one that I'm looking at there. But uh, I will say, and I kind of want to switch gears here, I will say that uh, I'm talking a little bit about debt and about people using debt to start their business or to uh, to invest or things like that. There is a right time to use debt. Debt can certainly be a tool. It's not one that I ever really uh, was leaning on. Now, when I was starting my business, I was really opposed to the idea of taking on a lot of loans and having a lot of payments with a business that was a, a startup, cyclical, and you never really know what's coming next. You know, I'd have a great month and then the next month would fall off. I never really wanted to be in that position where I was borrowing heavy and you still have bills and the money's not coming in. So it was more of a cash flow problem. I didn't really have a, a reoccurring cash flow to pay these bills. So I didn't really want to get into uh, borrowing heavy, especially, you know, having a slow winter uh, makes it really hard to not have much income. You're trying to live on the money you got and then you got more money going out every month. So I never really got into it. Now, last episode, I was telling you that I was kind of I'm thinking of using debt in order to buy real estate. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that these properties will cash flow. I want the, the cash flow of that property to pay for the mortgage to basically pay me, uh, you know, in 30 years time to be rewarded for buying a house today. That's kind of what I'm looking at. And uh, so there's a little bit difference as to what you're using this debt for. Uh, so if you have a business where it is established, you do have that cash flow and you need to borrow in order to grow. Uh, I definitely think that is a sound thing to do. And uh, you can keep that other money on the sidelines for, you know, other things that might come down. If you need to have, uh, you know, big outlays for overtime or something going on that month, whatever you're, you need that cash for. You don't necessarily always want to buy everything cash. And then, um, you know, not have any more room to, to go or, you know, have a, a safety net, if you will. So I guess it depends on what your situation is. It depends on what business you're in. Um, 
you know, but for me starting out with a, uh, a company that I wasn't looking to go into debt in order to, to start, it never really made sense to me. Now I'm more at a point where if I needed to borrow, uh, I could certainly do that. I, I know my numbers. I'm, I'm well established enough to know how much is coming in. Um, you know, I can tell you next year where I'm going to be at on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday. It's, it's very recurring at this point. But uh, at one point in time, it wasn't. So definitely think about taking, uh, taking on debt before you go ahead and sign those papers and understand that these, these bills and things are going to be coming regardless of what you got going. So if you got cash flow to back your debt and uh, you're still comfortable and it puts you in a spot where you can grow quicker or do jobs more effectively, I definitely think that it's a good play. Uh, but it really just depends on your given situation. So I didn't want to say that, uh, you know, debt is always a good thing. Um, but it is a tool that you can use to uh, start a business or uh, grow your business, things like that. Now, with investing, with when it comes to stocks, I do not in any way, shape or form, look to use debt to buy stocks. Uh, whether that's margin, whether that's a cash out refi, uh, I know a couple of years back when rates were so low and people were able to refinance their houses for um, much more and take cash out and have a lower interest, they were taking that cash and then running into the market and saying, hey, I can beat this 2% interest in the market. And you could then, now you would have gotten destroyed. Same thing with margin. If you uh, you had a, say, a $200,000 account and you have a margin loan where your brokerage is going to give you money to invest with at, uh, say, now it's probably six and a half, seven percent interest. And you you sometimes can borrow about half of what your portfolio is. So if they gave you one hundred thousand uh, dollars on that two hundred thousand dollar loan and now or on your two hundred thousand dollar brokerage account, you have one hundred thousand dollars to play with. Now, say you have three hundred thousand dollars invested but the market goes down 30%. So you're down on $90,000. You know, now your account's only valued at 210, but you have all this leverage in there. And then if you get margin call, now you owe that 90 back. So you got to end up selling the stocks that you had already paid cash for in order at, at a discount, nonetheless, to pay back that margin loan. And so I just think that is a good way to get burned really quick by taking out margin or using cash from a cash out refi or any other sort of debt financing or leverage in order to uh, get into the market. Now, options and things like that, they're a little bit different. I still think that they're risky and you really need to know what you're doing. Um, but that being said, as far as debt goes in the way of investing, I don't think that it is a smart choice. It's really at that gamble level versus using debt to buy a piece of equipment that's going to make you more that you need for a job or a, a large project or whatever, whatever. So just be mindful in the fact that debt can be a good tool, but it can also put you in a bad spot if used in the wrong ways, uh, if you don't have that cash flow, or it's simply a gamble opportunity as to what the market might do. Don't, don't gamble on the market. It is not worth it. And uh, that FOMO, that you would get from having seeing some stock run up 30%. Uh, that one will probably be the one that's going to come back down that 30% uh, right after you invest in it. So just be mindful about what you're doing out there. Understand that there are a lot of risks in using debt, but uh, there are a lot of situations where it is your friend. So with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some things that I saw 
on some stocks from the uh, investing challenge for this week. And uh, a reason that I'm getting a lot more bullish on one of them. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right. I am back here. So uh, if you are looking to get a uh, account started of your own, I do have some links in the description for uh, different uh, accounts that I use or different brokerages that I use. And uh, the main one that I am still with is E-Trade, uh, but I do have links for uh, Crypto.com, Binance, and Webull as well. We are doing the 2022 uh, investing challenge uh, over there on Webull. Uh, the reason that I wanted to use Webull is because you can do the uh, the fractional shares. Uh, so I can buy pieces of a, a larger company. You know, when Amazon was uh, over 2000, Google was over 2000. I couldn't simply buy that right on E-Trade at $200 a week. Uh, so Webull does allow me to do that. Uh, so names like um, United Health or um, Tesla, when they were trading above 200, you could go ahead and purchase just the amount of money that you wanted to put in on a given week or month or whatever your uh, investing budget lets you, uh, you know, basically play with on a, on a given day. So that's why I was using that one over there. That's why we're using it on the uh, investing challenge because I am putting $200 a week into uh, one stock that the the group will vote on over there on Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. So with that being said, we've got uh, we've got five different names for this week. We've always got five. Uh, the one that I was getting a little bit more bullish on, and uh, the one that I dove into a little bit more after someone had questioned me about it uh, on a value investing group, and uh, value investing being uh, buying companies with a low PE that are trading below their book value and ultimately trying to um, get them before they really appreciate in price where they should be. So that name that I was uh, kind of posted, these uh, these different five stocks over there on, the, on that value investing page, I had posted CrowdStrike. Now, CrowdStrike is not a value investing stock, so I got called out on it. Why is this here kind of thing? And uh, I more or less said, hey, look, yeah, these are just all from this week. And CrowdStrike just happens to be one that I, I do like for the long term. And he said, isn't it unprofitable? Uh, I said, yeah, it is. But, you know, they're they're in this uh, high growth mode. They are in a lot of the right spots at the right time. Uh, I, I guess I will say that, you know, Raytheon, I was talking about defensive stocks last time, kind of comparing them to a company like a, a cybersecurity company like CrowdStrike. Now, Raytheon had a decent quarter. Now, listening to an interview with the CEO, he said they would need to fill about 10,000 jobs. They've got uh, all sorts of backlogs on supply chain. They've got a lot of different orders that are backlogged as well because they can't get the parts that they need to put them together. Uh, they were talking about weapons defense systems that were going to Ukraine. Uh, basically, they are ready to get anything over there as soon as they can as when it's uh, approved by the government. Uh, a bunch of air uh, defense or ground to air defense, missile defense type systems. Uh, I forget that what that one was called, but they said if they were called on to get more advanced things like the Falcon system, they would get that over there as well. Uh, so more or less, they're, they had a good quarter. They are very backlogged with what they have. Uh, a lot of that, you know, it's just a bunch of red tape from getting things delivered to them uh, in a timely manner or the also with the the employees that they're looking to hire. They want to bring on these new people, but they need to be American citizens. They need to be able to get clearance. 
And that sometimes can take six to nine months in order to get them hired and then uh, the clearances that they need in order to work on these different projects. So I, I guess I'll bring that back around to CrowdStrike. Uh, CrowdStrike being a defense, cybersecurity defense, I still think that that is necessary in the time that we are in right now. Everyone has come to rely on the fact of, you know, we can buy things online. I can order groceries. I can order clothes. I can order, you know, whatever you need is all online. So you're, all your information's out there. You've got your, uh, your credit cards, all your accounts. Everything is everywhere. So we're really leaning on these big uh, cybersecurity companies in order to keep us safe. I don't think that's going anywhere. CrowdStrike's numbers uh, agree with that. Uh, when I was looking at CrowdStrike's revenue back in 2019, 250 million. Uh, and then we fast forward and I looked at it in uh, 22, it was 1.4 billion. Now, when we fast forward again and look at where it's going to be in 2027, we are looking at $6.6 billion in 2027. This one is a beautiful staircase up in the amount of revenue that they're getting. Uh, yes, their margins are great at 74% uh, gross margin. They are still running negative when we look at all the spending that they are doing. Now, a lot of that is in R&D, sales and marketing, uh, you know, all these different products that they are building. And um, that is slowing as well. Some of these uh, these costs are slowing as they have established more and more uh, customers. Those customers are using more and more of CrowdStrike's different platforms. Uh, so the sales has uh, thinned out as far as what they are spending to acquire new companies to partner with. The R&D, as they have more of it already built, uh, they're kind of fine-tuning it as they go. It's not as in-depth. It's not as costly as they do more uh, you know, kind of upgrades to their system. So there's a lot of different things that I do like here. Uh, you've got the margin going up. You've got a lot of those costs coming down. You've got uh, revenues that are going through the roof. You've got uh, a lot of different things that are looking to be in your favor when it comes to CrowdStrike. So yes, they are still negatives on that EPS, um, but I do think that's going to change. They got a lot of different things that uh, the, the total addressable market is uh, is definitely evolving as well. So a lot of different things that are working well with them. And uh, I do think that in a short term, yes, they're going to be negative. But uh, once we come out of that and that that growth might slow a little bit, but we're going to be on that positive side of things. And I do think that this one is going to be a, a major player uh, as they have already established more market share. They went from something like 7% to 16%. Uh, and they are just in that way of making more and more money on the products that they already have. And uh, that recurring revenue, it's really hard to switch off of these different product lines once you really get them established within a company. So a lot of different reasons that I am getting more and more bullish. Uh, the fact that it has traded down over the year, I've got a dog circling me if you can hear footsteps. Um, there's a lot of different things that I think are going to really drive this one going forward. And uh, then even looking on E-Trade, I'm looking at their cash flow, pretty steady um, cash flow growth per share. Revenue growth is, uh, is a beautiful staircase up. And uh, we're, we're really looking at some nice gains by the end of the 2024. So a lot of things that I am really bullish on here. Uh, yes, I know it's not uh, profitable. It's not in the right spot right now as far as being a unprofitable company. A lot of people do not want to invest in those at the moment. 
so that has uh, trimmed this one down. I think it was a little euphoric when uh, some of these prices were up in the the two fifty range or up up to two ninety. Uh, now trading at one fifty seven, I do think that this one has uh, certainly pulled back to a level where I would add to it. And uh, as long as you know that you've got a, a three to five year window in order to really see this one make some gains. So that's uh, that's the one that I was kind of uh, pleasantly surprised after doing a little bit further of a dive into as to the revenue growth, the uh, the margins, the amount of uh, cost that they are able to cut going forward. Just a lot of different things that really got me excited about this one and thinking, hey, that that could be another good one to add. Uh, to the mix, uh, just a little bit more and a little bit more, kind of keep chipping away at that as these prices are down here. So, um, yeah, so that I guess we'll we'll talk as that one's number one. I'll go a little bit out, out of order here. Uh, number two was uh, going to be uh, the ticker is CRM. The the name is Salesforce. So this one is going to be a customer relations company, and uh, they are growing exponentially as well. They are profitable. Uh, but remind you, the uh, the PE is remarkably high because they are a uh, a pretty high growth company, and uh, I forget the exact numbers. I could go ahead and look those up and get back to you on that. But I know that they are trying to set some pretty high targets for uh, 2025 and beyond. So that PE is currently a 308 according to um, E-Trade here. But um, trading at 160, we'll call it uh, about 34 percent of upside on this one. And, uh, and one, again, that is going to be hard to get off of. I think once a, a company is going to uh, kind of partner with Salesforce, they're really going to lean on them for all that customer service or customer relations management. And uh, ultimately, I don't really think that they're going anywhere unless there are major problems with the software. So one that uh, should survive a recession well and uh, come out on the other side of this thing. Once uh, growth stocks are back in favor, I do think that this one will take off running again with uh, a lot of their big growth numbers that they are looking to uh, to post up in the next couple of years. Uh, now, number three, we will uh, we will be looking at Netflix. Now, this one has had a major haircut on that PE and in the stock price. The stock price has been obliterated. From about $700 back last November down to about $290 right now. We did hit a low of $162 back in May. So we have outperformed over that time. I keep seeing a lot of people saying, oh, Netflix is, is on a tear. Well, that's only if you've been in it since May. Uh, if you've been in it since last November, you are still significantly down $400 uh, per share. Now, Yes, it has outperformed over uh, that that short period since May versus a lot of other tech stocks. Uh, they did have that sub subscriber growth problems. They did see that negative number, and uh, and people were leaving the platform. But uh, now with the um, the fact that they are looking to really crack down on the password sharing, they do not want people sharing them anymore. They are also uh, bringing in that uh, advertising tier of the platform to where you are paying less, but you get to watch commercials. Uh, another way for Netflix to generate money is through those ad dollars. So if uh, people want to be on that uh, that tier with their commercial or with their product, they're going to have to pay for that. So you're going to get more people looking to get back onto the platform. Uh, well, one, you're going to have people coming back to it. Two, you're going to have 
um, the advertising dollars, and they're going to be pushing it to more households as the password sharing is really not allowed. So I do think that there is going to be some some growth here. And uh, that PE has not caught up to where this one normally trades. This one has been significantly oversold, especially back in uh, in May. And uh, now one that I think that uh, could be a, a, an okay bet going forward. There's a little bit more of a risk with this one. Uh, there is a current downside on this stock of 4.75%. Uh, uh, I do think that it has run up on a lot of the news that... Um, the ad tier is going to be coming soon, and they are also cracking down on that password sharing. So that uh, is number three. I, I do think that this one can run higher, but uh, it's not without risks. Uh, number four, this one would qualify as value investing in my book. This one has uh, been cut down pretty significantly from its highs also, and now that PE is sitting at 10.89, and that name is Lamb Research. The ticker is LRCX. It is a semiconductor company. And uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that we need semiconductors and the chips availability has been a major problem. Now, we do still have problems with China. We know that we don't want to give them all of our best uh, kind of trade secrets when it comes to semiconductors. That has been a major problem, a major uh, black eye on this one. And I do think that uh, these companies are trading below where they should be based on uh, some of that news that has come out. So it is trading at uh, that 10 times earnings. It does have a quarterly dividend of 1.82%. Uh, as far as the analyst research goes, we are looking at 21% uh, of upside for an average price target of 460 bucks. The high price target is $800. And uh, that would rec uh, that would show about 110% of upside in the next 12 months. I don't think we're getting to 800, not in this environment, not with what's going on out there. I do think that we can get back to the 450s without a problem. Uh, all that would take is a couple good words from uh, China or the fact that chips are going to be more available, this, that, the other, and these chip stocks will really take off running. So that uh, is uh, Lamb Research, and I do think that uh, would, would be my value pick if I had to pick one. Uh, now, next... We go into the EV space, and this one has been trading down uh, off of the Elon's Twitter news in this stock for number five for week 44 is Tesla. And uh, Tesla did hit the 190-something mark, uh, I think, on Monday, and now we are sitting at 219. Uh, so we've definitely seen a little bit of run here in the last couple days. We've got uh, the, the Twitter deal coming due. We have seen uh, a lot of selling from uh, the fact of what's going on with that news. But uh, one that I do feel that is undervalued. And ultimately, they do have a lot of different drivers to get this growth uh, where it needs to be. Continue having these margins that are, are really sound and ultimately just be a leader in the space. Now, I don't really look at that uh, simply based on the automotive side of things. Yes, GM did have a good quarter. Um, and I believe they had about the same revenue as Tesla. Tesla is valued. The PE is much, much higher than, uh, GM's Tesla's is sitting at a 68 and let me just take a look at GM. They're at a seven. 
So if you want that value, GM would be your play. But if you want more growth, Tesla is going to be the EV company for me. And uh, you're getting more than just EVs when you buy into Tesla. You are getting into the uh, insurance game. You're getting into the solar. You're getting into the, the power systems. You're getting into a lot of different things. Uh, insurance. Uh, there's a lot of different things there that drive Tesla's growth other than just the cars. Yes, the cars have been selling. But uh, battery storage was a major growth driver in the 60% year-over-year upside uh, over the, the past year. And uh, one that I just think is going to continue to do well, where, you know, uh, there's some other competitors in the EV space that do well. They make decent cars, um, but uh, for they're either in that growth realm like uh, Lucid or Rivian, or then they're in the kind of the traditional automakers where they don't really have a lot of the different things. Uh, that Tesla has yet. So they don't have a lot of those other growth drivers. Now, uh, this one is sitting at 219, as I said. Analyst research does have a, a decent amount of upside on this one at 31% for an average price target of 293. A high is out there of $436 per share and a low of 85. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think we could easily get back into the 300 range. 290 would would be a, a realistic number for me in that 12 month period. Um, I, I wouldn't rule out the 400s either, but uh, just going to depend on a lot of those macro numbers that are coming in and a lot of problems that are out there as to how much the Fed hurts uh, consumers and uh, really what's going on around the world uh, as far as Tesla vehicles are concerned. So that's the five stocks I got this week. I've got a uh, quick recap. We've got CRM, Salesforce. We've got CRWD, CrowdStrike. We've got Netflix, NFLX. We've got LAM Research, which is LRCX. And we have Tesla, TSLA. So uh, if you are not on the Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook, please get over there, join the page, get your votes in, and uh, we will be buying one of these uh, this coming Monday. We did go ahead and buy Qualcomm uh, on Monday this week for the results of the week 43 uh, investing challenge. And uh, oh yeah, I guess, you know, we did have PayPal in that week also. Uh, I will cover PayPal real quick. I just wanted to add that uh, Amazon accepted or is accepting Venmo as a payment service as of Black Friday, I believe it goes live on the site. So PayPal got a boost on the fact that Venmo is now being accepted. Uh, yeah, Venmo is accepted on Amazon. Uh, that was definitely a growth driver, one that uh, is going to help PayPal. PayPal owns Venmo. Um, so that one is definitely nice. And uh, yeah, get over to the Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook. And uh, I think this dog needs out. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap up here, get him outside. But uh, go ahead and... Uh, Subscribe if you haven't, and I will catch you guys in the next one. So take care, and thanks for stopping by. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on eTrade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. 
and a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.